Yo, what up? This is D-Knight, and you're listening to the Part of the Interaction Podcast. We've got a little pocket part episode for you today. I'm sure you have come to the conclusion that every time you turn on this podcast is going to be yet another set yourself on fire, pull your hair out moment in the political landscape, and you wouldn't be wrong, because that seems to be just a regular occurrence. Uh, that is the world we live in these days. It's nonstop insanity. But before we get to that, we had a couple of episodes with the ladies drop earlier this week. So make sure you take the opportunity to go back and check those out. Uh, you know, if you can't tell, I miss them dearly. And I'm absolutely certain that you're probably tired of hearing my voice drone on and on and on. So they are a welcome addition every time we have the opportunity to all get together. Uh, also like to give a shout out to our sponsor sheets and giggles make sure you check out sheetsandgiggles.com pick you up some of the most fantastic sheets on planet earth or at least in america and you know sustainably sourced and all that good stuff good for the environment and sheetsandgiggles.com they're also pushing some 69 dollar uh, promotional online gift cards uh, they are the nicest gift cards in existence <laughs> and so do yourself a favor and uh, grab a gift card for the holiday season so someone that you know and love can treat themselves to a wonderfully pleasurable sleeping experience. All right, on to the news. So President Biden met with Xi Jinping of China the other day, uh, which is quite a noteworthy spectacle considering we have a contentious relationship with China at the moment over trade policy, supporting the independence of Taiwan and on and on and on. Um, uh, given that this took place in America, it just I think that signifies the fact that Biden is in a strong position politically. I mean, um, you know, the symbolism of the president of China having to fly over here and Biden having to fly from D.C. to meet halfway in L.A. It's not lost to me that that is symbolic of the position President Biden holds politically and internationally, as well as Xi Jinping, that um you know, it, it feels like a power move to have someone come meet you on your own turf, which, you know, in Biden's case, uh, California is still his own turf. But at the same time, he met G uh, halfway, which over the course of the past few years feel, feels like it would have been a concession made by G to, to, to come here. And I'm sure that that's connected in some way to the fact that uh, for the first time in the last 40 years, thanks to, thanks to President Biden's economic policies and overall leadership, the United States economy is outpacing China. Finally, someone put America first. Uh, you know, Republicans and conservatives do a lot of hand wringing uh, about the threats economically and otherwise that Russia poses to or rather China poses to America. And yet here it is Biden and the Democrats making sure we put our economic policies uh, in place in such a way as to not only hinder China's dominance, but support America's and put us in a position that we might be able to more feasibly reach negotiations that are, are favorable to the United States and democracy and Biden's taking care of that. He on the job. We've got more communication and cooperation between the United States and China's military. Uh, reached an agreement on stopping and or at least slowing the production of fentanyl and keeping it from entering the United States borders and, and a number of other things. 
And then Biden, of course, uh, must be feeling himself, must be feeling as though he's operating from a position of strength because he took the opportunity uh, after the meeting to refer to Xi Jinping as a dictator, which I mean, given the fact that the standards for elections and democracy in China are somehow even further below ours at this point, uh, it just goes to the fact that uh you know, Xi Jinping can't be removed from office. There's no more elections. He's president for life. Uh, that's some dictator type shit. Uh, but normally, you know, saying those things out loud, uh, the Chinese government finds offensive and typically finds a way to make their displeasure known through some sort of nonviolent retaliation. Uh, Biden must feel like he's operating from a position of strength where he can throw these shots out here. And make these dudes feel uncomfortable, ruff, ruffle some feathers, speak truth to power, as they say, uh, which is strange, you know, given that he's the president of the United States. <laughs> he should always feel like he, he has that leeway. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to start off with some pro Biden content because I'm like the leader in chastising the news for not being positive enough on what it is that Biden is doing. Oh, and speaking of good news for Biden, uh, special counsel, her. You forgot about that one, didn't you? You're like, oh, it's so many special counsels. We can't even keep up with them. <laughs> uh, but yeah, special counsel, her, who was investigating alleged uh, mishandling of classified documents by President Biden when he wasn't in office, has announced that there will be no charges against nobody that Biden or any of his uh, aides or his staff included. Uh, which I feel like a few weeks ago we told you that would be the case when it was announced that her wanted to interview Biden and a few other people at the White House. Uh, I, I took that as a sign that they just wanted to wrap up some loose ends, make sure they got uh, everyone on the record who could feasibly be involved and that they were going to come to a conclusion very soon after and that this was something that they would not do. You know, prosecutors typically would not do interviewing the supposed target of a criminal investigation voluntarily unless they weren't planning to file charges. And voila, here we are. No charges announced. Um, I assume they're going to take the information that they gathered during the investigation, uh, along with whatever uh, was provided to them during these interviews and compile it in a report. A special counsels are want to do once their investigation concludes. And we'll probably see that sometime over the course of the next year. So hooray for Biden. Now, you know, your white, (laughs) I keep doing this. You're not white wing, but right wing nut jobs are going to be like, oh, it's just the witch hunt. They're only out to get Trump. And, you know, it's the Biden DOJ covering. And look, here's the thing. Biden and Trump weren't the only individuals under investigation for potential mishandling of classified documents. You may or may not remember one uh, Republican presidential candidate, Mike Pence, who was also under investigation for potentially mishandling classified documents. And what is the conclusion special counsel came to in that case? Uh, that any you know potential spill was accidental, unintentional, and they didn't find any criminal liability as it pertains to Mike Pence. Mike Pence is a political opponent of Joe Biden. Why ain't Joe trying to lock him up? You see what I'm saying? Prosecutors 
they they took the opportunity to look at the facts as it pertained to each individual investigation. They looked at Biden. They looked at Trump. They looked at Pence. They came to the conclusion that Biden and Pence, uh, you know, cooperated with the investigation. They voluntarily turned over documents. Uh, they voluntarily sat down for interviews. They did nothing to obstruct the investigation. They didn't share any classified information with, you know, unauthorized individuals. They weren't running their mouths, uh, sharing nuclear secrets with fucking foreign billionaires like someone we know. And they did what most prosecutors in situations like this normally tend to do. They decline to file charges. Trump's case is totally different. He refused to turn over documents voluntarily. He defied a subpoena. He lied to his lawyers. He tried to hide the documents from investigators. When he realized there was evidence of him obstructing the investigation, he tried to have the security footage of him hiding the documents from investigators deleted. He shared nuclear secrets with an Australian billionaire. He's doing all kinds of shit. Like he's just getting what's coming to him. He did this to himself. So hooray for Biden. Trump is fucked. I mean, that is what it is. Anyway, uh, other occurrences taking place here in the news. The man who attacked Paul Pelosi with a hammer, uh, much to the delight of Republicans who are totally fine with uh, attacks against political officials as long as it's not their own. He's been found guilty on on both criminal counts. He could spend anywhere from 20 to 30 years in prison uh, in, well, for each charge. Assume he'll be serving time that time concurrently, not consecutively. Oh, and there goes the end to one of the Republicans and conspiracy theories. And just, you know, feel free to look that up. Down in Georgia, Judge McAfee entered a protective order over the discovery in the Fulton County case, uh, given that one of the lawyers for Trump's co-defendants in the Rico trial leaked the discover or rather leaked the proffer videos of Sidney Powell and Jenna Ellis to the press in my opinion attempting to intimidate or influence witnesses you know you release these videos of uh, the evidence they're offering to the DA's office people who were close to Trump in his inner circle and this will put them in a position where they're in an unfavorable light in the eyes of Trump supporters and of course, you know, Trump's prone to motivate his followers to in, engage in violence, lash out against his political rivals. And, you know, I'm sure these people more than anyone are familiar <laughs> with with the way Trump operates. And this is an attempt to get them to maybe mitigate some of the more harm, harmful aspects of their testimony uh, when they do reach trial and have to take the stand. And not just them, but like other potential witnesses who may also be involved in testifying in the Rico case down in Georgia. I mean, this is just an attempt to go out of the way. I mean, I find it very odd and <laughs> it's unusual to not have a protective order entered uh, before engaging in sharing discovery with defendants, especially in a case like this. Uh, they do things a little differently down there in Georgia, I guess. Uh, but Fonnie Willis immediately got on that in Judge McCaffrey has since uh, reacted by making sure uh, no more discovery of such evidence as this be disclosed to the public uh, by Trump and his cohorts and their attorneys. Speaking of the Georgia case, Fonnie Willis's office has asked the judge in the case to revoke 
uh, the bond of Harrison Floyd, saying he's been intimidating witness and co-defendants in the case. My oh my, doesn't that sound fucking familiar? I wonder who else has been doing that. And, and for those of you unaware of Harrison Floyd's role in Georgia and why he was prosecuted as part of this Rico conspiracy, he was heavily involved in like the plot to pressure Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss to falsely confessing to helping rig the 2020 election uh, against Trump down there in Georgia. So some of the conditions of his release included not communicating directly or indirectly about the facts of the case with anyone that would be construed as a co-defendant or any possible witnesses. Uh, the prosecutors are saying that his repeated attacks of uh, Georgia Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger and one of his uh, top aides, Gabriel Sterling, who I would definitely say fit the bill as potential witnesses in this case, are cause to have his bail revoked uh, by the judge. He's made multiple references to them on Twix, and in, in one of the social media posts that they cited, he seemed to imply that Raffensperger and Sterling had both interfered in the 2020 election, and they had lied to Congress in their congressional testimony, and they had lied to Fonnie Willis's office. Willis's office is also maintaining that during a podcast interview where he discussed uh, Jenna Ellis's guilty plea, uh, prosecutors are saying that that counts as um, indirect communication to a co-defendant, especially after commenting on her release proffer video by saying that she was a quote whole mess and he accused her of lying about another potential witness in the case. Um you know, I'm not really rooting for Floyd here in any way whatsoever. Like, bro, you dug your own hole <laughs> and you're in it now. Uh, I just wish like there was an equal equal application of, of this particular rule about revoking bond applied to all the co-defendants in the Rico case. And if you're, you know, wondering who I'm referring to specifically. Yes, I mean, Trump. Like, when is anyone going to revoke his bail, revoke his bond for all this crazy shit he's been saying? Oh, my God. Like, what are we doing, guys? It, it's about that time. <laughs> I mean, Judge and Gorin up in New York had his gag order stayed by an appellate judge, you know, that was preventing Trump and his lawyers from directly attacking and Gorin's chief court clerk. And Trump immediately went back to targeting her on social media. It's, it's bananas. Like, let's lock his ass up. Revoke his bail. I mean, I just... The amount of leeway that this dude is getting, like, no one else in the history of criminal court will ever get. It's insane. Either way, Trump's not going to remain a free man for long. Because once this D.C. trial takes place next year, it's a wrap. The evidence continues to mount, and we even have damning information revealed to us by none other than Trump himself in an interview with Jonathan Carl. Let me play that for you. But if you look at the real size of that crowd, it was never reported correctly. Mm -hmm. There were... It's the biggest crowd I've ever spoken in front of by far. Really? By far. That went down to the Washington, that went back to the Washington Monument. Um, you told them you were going to go up to the Capitol, were you just... I was, no, I was going to, and the Secret Service said, you can't. And then by the time, I would have, 
And then when I got back, I saw I wanted to go back. I was thinking about going back during the problem to stop the problem, doing it myself. Secret Service didn't like that idea too much. So, so what? And I could so, have done that, and you know what? I would have been very well received. Don't forget, the people that went to Washington that day, in my opinion, they went because they thought the election was rigged. That's why they went. All right, that's absolutely fucking insane. Um, one of my favorite things about Trump, though, is that if you let him speak long enough, he will confess to his crimes. He he cannot seem to help himself. Ooh. All right, we're to start there. So, the fact that he's willing to admit that after hours of fighting at the Capitol and numerous people begging him to put out a message, telling the insurrectionists to stop, you know, Nancy Pelosi spending hours on the phone with police and, and the uh, military trying to get the National Guard dispatched to D.C. to help secure the Capitol. Like, uh, <laughs> Like watching the shit unfold on Fox News. And he's like, instead of telling the people to stop, I actually wanted to go up to the Capitol. That's fucking insane. That's insane. And you you (laughs) compound that with the fact uh, that he was warned that numerous people were attempting to enter uh, the ellipse. He was giving his speech earlier that day uh, that they were armed with all sorts of weaponry. And he wanted the magnetometers disabled so they couldn't check the crowd uh, for any sort of weapons like it's an attempted attack on the capitol and Trump's not only not afraid he wants to be there with the fucking crowd carrying out the attack on the capitol and he, he's like saying it out loud and then his admission that he believes that the people who showed up at the capitol on January 6th were there because they believe the 2020 election is stolen seals the fucking deal in a couple of ways one he was the one lying and we know he was lying and telling them that the election was stolen they wouldn't have been there if not for him and they wouldn't have believed that the 2020 election was stolen if not for him he's wholly responsible for that Add that to the fact that we saw in Sidney Powell's proffer video that she saw multiple people on numerous occasions tell Trump that he lost the 2020 election, as well as having uh, Jenna Ellis relay to us her conversation with Dan Scavino, where he told her that they had no plans whatsoever of leaving the White House. They're just not going to do it. And this is like it. that conversation occurred literally the same day. Trump sent out that message on Twitter telling all of his followers to show up at the Capitol on January 6th because it will be wild. What's really wild is how guilty he fucking appears after connecting those dots. What's even wilder than that? A judge in Colorado overseeing a civil trial that was bought by crew, uh, the Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, against Trump, citing the 14th Amendment barring any officer of the United States who has engaged in or supported insurrection from serving in office. That judge has ruled that Trump did in fact engage in incitement in support of the insurrection, but because of the strict language of Section 3, the amendment excludes the office of the presidency because the president is not an officer of the United States. I just want you to stop and think for a second. What kind of sense does it make 
that immediately after the Civil War, that anyone who engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the United States should be barred from office unless they the fucking president. So only the elected president of the United States can overthrow the government? The fuck kind of sense does that make? And that concludes this episode of Pardon the Interaction. 